You are listening to Grit and Grace. My name is Taverly, and I am here for deep soul level conversations and connections about spirituality to step into a deeper understanding of what lies on the other side of the veil. As a social impact entrepreneur, founder of the Moon Temple Mystery School, high priestess, and ritualist, I am shining a light on walking the awakening path and how it weaves into our daily lives. I invite you to take a deep breath, leave what you know at the door, and step into the mysteries with me. And we are back with part two of The Hidden Truths with Dr. Francis Yahia. Now, if you're just finding us, if this is the first episode you're listening to, I'm going to highly recommend that you go listen to part one, although this show will have enough in its own that you could listen to it all the way through, then go back to part one, then you could go to the spiritual ladder. I mean, we are covering a variety, a variety of topics and we're going deep. And so, Dr. Yahia, thank you for coming back to Grit and Grace. Pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much. This is so fun. It's so fun. This you. is the thing. So I mean, the time. <laughs> it's so much. It's so much fun. I I keep I keep envisioning in all the ways um, in which we can continue to work together and discuss these topics. It's so 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 important. And the most important thing to me is that there are nuggets of wisdom in your teachings that are not often included in other spiritual teachings. And I touch a lot on these topics, maybe not as deep as you do, but in my own mystery school, we go into this in a different in a different avenue, but the same thing, right? Same, same outcome. But I love the way that you are breaking this down. I love that you have so much material, you have so many books, and you have a new book coming out called The Hidden Truth. And I am going to, as soon as it's out, I'm going to put it on my site. I'm going to put it in my newsletter. People will be able to find it. But we are going to start today with the law of polarity, which is the fourth universal law. Yes. So the law of polarity says that everything is dual. We All things are opposites. And this is my favorite part of the law. All truths are but half truths. Hmm. So you think you know the truth. And I have a mug, actually, one of my clients got for me that says it's it's your truth, not the truth. And we have to really understand in our earthly consciousness, our low vibration, our earthly embodied human selves, we have certain truths and those are our values and we absolutely have to hold on to those. And then there's a shamanic or universal state of consciousness that are these laws And those laws are perfect because they exist in every situation, financial, health, sexual, relationship, individual. They never change. They're not altering these eight laws. So they're they're useful for any area of life, not just spirituality. And so it's all truths are but half truths is what the what the law states. And so you have to recognize that you're only living in one part of the opposition, one part of the polarity. And there's two. Everything's dual. So it goes back to judgments or confessions and they're great. If you're judging someone, there's another side of that coin. I call this the zero to a hundred. So We have to stop these zero to a hundred swings of all or nothing. And that's what I call child behavior. It's directly linked to the subconscious programming that we received at conception and our low vibration. The only way to stop 
the zero to 100 swings are called neutralizers. And we actually have, and we briefly touched upon this in the first spiritual ladder um, session that you and I had talked about, the neutralizers are the skinny cows. The universe actually builds in neutralizers every seven years for you to stop those swings and actually stop and look at yourself and realize that the swings of your personality are simply to cover up your shadow. And so when you stop the swings, what I call the 48 to 52, then you're actually confronted with your true self. And we talked a little bit about the myth of Chiron, where it's your humanity, your low-level consciousness, your embodiment, human self. And now you could do your divine work, but only if you slap those swings. Mm-hmm. Astrology is really good for identifying these swings. There are oppositions in the natal chart, but there are also oppositions when you have oppositions in the transits so that you could see exactly where these zero to 100 swings or these polarities are showing you to slow down. So can we talk about a practical example of how the law of polarity or how one of these half truths um, can present itself in our lives, like an example? Absolutely. So let's say you're judging somebody because they're dressed inappropriately and you don't think that with their body size or their age or their sexuality, they should be wearing that particular outfit. That would be linked just to use sort of the vices to lust, Well, the other side of lust or archetypally the whore or the prostitute is the nun or the virgin. Mm. So if you're living in your Puritan state, your purification state, truth six is truth of purification, you're living in a nun or a Virgo archetype, what you're hiding is the shadow aspect that you're not comfortable with perhaps your own sexuality, your lust bad bucket value And so immediately you could see the swing and we only live in one part of the swing, just like those people that are like, I'm so horrible, I'm the devil. And they wear that sort of badge of honor. They're trying to hide their quote unquote good side. Mm -hmm. So when I work with clients, I do something called the psychological x-ray. Three questions. First question is good and bad of mom and dad from ages zero to seven. I call those the buckets. The good doesn't pose a problem. The bad buckets is the shadow. In the psyche of a child, you can't understand that your parents, your superheroes, have bad qualities. So you live it out the other side of the coin. It's this law. Mm, I know exactly what you're referring to now. So it's it's those of us that try to do the exact opposite of the parts <laughs> that we were raised with that are sitting in the shadow. We're doing that because of this law of polarity, like, you know, and we need to focus on the skinny cows or the neutralizers to stop that swing. Yes. And so in my spiritual adulting book, and I have a whole video series called Spiritual Adulting on my YouTube channel, I go age by age from zero to death from conception to death. And I explain every neutralizer that comes every year because there's two different types of skinny cows. And depending on the year, if it's a seven year or 14 year, you have a different opportunity. And I spell that out, but the universe gives us the opportunity and it usually comes in a form of crisis or trauma or victimization. But if you really use the law of correspondence, you realize that this was introduced into your life, let's say someone stole your car, for you to slow down 
and really sort of navigate the zero to 100, readjust and find that midpoint of 48 to 52. The 48 to 52 or the midpoint is what's linked to self-mastery. Every spiritual philosophy speaks of this. The Tao, the way, the golden mean. My, my language is just the 48 to 52. You cannot achieve self-mastery, contentment, joy, balance, wholeness without neutralizing those zero to 100 swings. And I can't tell you how many times a week I hear, I am nothing like my mother. I did it the exact opposite of my father. And I'm like, well, no, you didn't. Because <laughs> opposites meet. The other part of the law is all opposites meet. That's why they're half truths. You're only doing one side of the coin, doing it opposite from mom and dad is doing the exact same thing. Is that related to this common phrase of opposites attract? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Usually vibrationally, law of correspondence and law of vibration, you're attracting someone that's mirroring the opposite side of the coin so that you can integrate that. Mm. Relationships are the quickest way to enlightenment because of that philosophy there's a video series on my site called Why We Get Married, Part 1 and 2, where I specifically address, it's linked to a book I have coming out called The Truth is in the Triangle, how we use our partner, why we attract our partner to bring in the shadow aspect of our parents so that we can heal and integrate. That actually is, if, if that model is implemented, it's a fascinating model rooted in sacred geometry you could absolutely skyrocket to enlightenment with your partnership because you're using each other as a mirror, as that law mm. of vibration and that law of correspondence. So absolutely. You've mentioned several times many books. How many books do you have coming? I like well, you you are you are a machine. <laughs> well it's funny because the next law is the law of rhythm or the principle of rhythm. The law states that everything flows and is a pendulum. And as far right to the pendulum is as far left to the pendulum. I mentioned previously, I was in a severe depression for three years. I barely could get out of bed. I don't know how I taught classes. But during that period, I really understood grief versus despair. Grief is an earthly illness Despair is a spiritual illness. And I was mourning my unlived life. And that is part of the shadow work process. So those three years laying in bed, I was mourning everything I hadn't lived before. And so that was sort of the pendulum swing to the right. Well, now the pendulum <laughs> swing has, has swung all the way to the left. When I got out of my final breast surgery in March of this year, from March to now, I have written 10 books. Wow. The dump that has come out of me as a result of mourning and applying, I took what I call from the head to the heart. All the knowledge I had studied became wisdom and application. Mm. I have dumped it. And so all of these books are at the publisher. There's some stage in the publishing process. So between now and next March, they'll all be out. All of the workbooks are free on the website and the YouTube has all the lectures from where those books came. Mm -hmm. So it's all free for everybody. But that's what happened. This law, as far as you swing to the right is as far as you swing to the left. So this is very linked to the truth of purification, truth six, where 
what are you trying to purify? Let's say you have a three-day bender, you binge drink or you smoke weed or you slept around, whatever. You have to purify in your psyche that bad action. That's this law of rhythm. Mm. And this law also speaks to everything circular in the universe, the seasons, the astrology chart, the medicine wheel and shamanism, alchemy. Everything is a, a circular process. So going back to your question about opposites attract, opposites attract and they always meet with the law of polarity and the law of rhythm. Interesting. So I want to ask about the law of rhythm and how how we go from, how can we, let me just phrase this question. How can we create the situation when we want to swing to the other pendulum, like consciously, not just waiting for what's going to happen next to get us out of that one side swing or the other? How can we consciously participate in moving that pendulum more towards the middle? Or maybe okay. towards the other side, if we're talking, you know, like we've swung all the way to one direction and we want to swing all the way to the other so then we can come back to the middle. How do we do that? Okay. So that's a great question. So one of the crux of like the cornerstone pieces of my work is this thing called the spiritual or the personal TED Talk, T-E-D, thought, emotion, desire. Any person, place, thing, or situation always represents your mother or your father. First question. When a conflict arises on a scale of one to 10, it does not matter if you stub your toe or you get into a car accident. The subconscious does not care what it is. On a scale of one to 10 and the situation, number one, is it mother or father? Does it represent your mother or your father? The second question we talked about, what don't I like about it? And where do I have that exact thing? And the third question is, what does it prove about me? These three questions together are a psychological orgasm. They keep you swinging to that other side of the pendulum. They keep you what I call simplistically child. The more you create conflict and you create the psychological orgasm, you're staying on one side of the swing. What happens? And this seems so counterintuitive. The moment that you call yourself out on that, that TED Talk, and this is linked to the next law of cause and effect or karma, you actually take, think of a thought and emotion is just as energetically dense as a brick. Okay, mm. we don't understand this, but your impure thoughts, your judgments, your emotions are as dense as a brick. When you do that TED Talk, you deflate that energy. You actually like go and pull the energy out of it so now that can no longer go into your body as illness or go into your house as a conflict in relationship or into the world as, let's say, a social justice issue. Any thought, emotion, desire that you do not fully process, in my words, using, a, um, using the TED Talk, will create conflict in your life, in your body, or in your world. So the way to stop the swings a is to do that TED Talk. The problem is, and this is what seems so counterintuitive, and I ask this to questions all to clients all the time, and they're like, how did you know that? The minute you TED Talk and you choose yourself, you don't continue the vicious cycle, it's going to show up to pay back in one of five ways. Your money, your time, health, 
food or sex. Mm. You will punish <laughs> yourself. Yes. Whoa. Yes. If you Whoa. choose yourself within 24 to 48 hours, you will show up harming yourself. Other swing, not neutralizing. I'll get to the neutralizer in one of those ways. That's called a sacrifice. We are programmed through Greek mythology or Western philosophy and Christian philosophy, Abraham sacrificing Isaac, that we must sacrifice if we choose ourselves. And why do I say food, health or illness, time, money, um, or sex? Because that's the currency of the earthly world, our low-level consciousness, our law of vibration. So if we choose one extreme or the other, we're going to be in a constant state of, let's say, overeating to purify, vice versa. We'll, we'll swing zero to 100. So how we neutralize is, because we have to become conscious, do the TED Talk, process the thought, emotion, and desire, and use the principle of correspondence. Where do I have this? Own it that you have that. And this is the key. Mourn that you chose yourself. Mourn it. You're going to give a sacrifice. You don't have to be such a big sacrifice. You could give what I call an offering. In Greek mythology, when you were traveling through the underworld and the river Styx on the way to Tartarus, you would give Sharon, the ferryman of the dead souls, an obol, like a penny. So we don't have to give these huge sort of, let's say, illnesses or loss of money, you know, pay up, kind of that kind of stuff, or loss of time or stay three years it passed an expiration date in a relationship. We can actually do the TED talk, <coughs> excuse me, identify that we need to pay something, but pay an obol. I'll so, give you a minute. I'll give you a minute to have a drink and settle. Uh, this makes me think of, you know, as a, as a ritualist, right? I build a lot of rituals into my practice and into my life, which I know is my way of going into my subconscious and, and co-creating these neutralizers or these petitions to what I desire. There is always an element of an offering. And I haven't looked at it in the way that you're describing it because this idea of that we always make a sacrifice, it reminds me of this book called The Big Leap. And it's totally a business book, but it is about how we put an upper limit on ourselves. And in this book, in in one part of it, and I'm simplifying it because I love the book, in one part of it, it talks about when we have extreme success in one area of our life, another part of our life plummets because we purposefully have built in these limits on where our capacity is. And, um, and, and, and it's like, we, we literally manifest like illnesses or like car accidents that you referenced or like these, these crazy things that happen because we are, we are making that sacrifice as that pendulum swings. Nope, I do not. (laughs) So I have that same concept. It's called the plexiglass problem or the plexiglass paradox. At the moment of conception, you are given, yes, that low vibration consciousness, your thought, your emotion, and your desire. The thoughts that you are given or that one thought is exactly that. A limiting belief where you are not allowed to what I call dethrone your parents. Mm-hmm. You were given a cap on your health, your happiness, your financial success, your love ability. 
And if you dethrone your parents and choose yourself without mourning, you will continue the swings and you will give too big a sacrifice. But if you do the TED Talk, identify that you're going to move from child, what I call teenager, choose yourself or at least stop to consciously choose yourself or decide if you're going to and only give the obol or the offering, then you could dethrone your parents constantly honoring them and saying, thank you, you you gave me life, like Mm -hmm. Bert Hellinger said, but I'm no longer going to live up to the limitations. And so in mythology, Jupiter dethroned Saturn. Saturn represents limits. Jupiter dethroned him. And we have a right to dethrone all of the limiting beliefs. I use the metaphor of the plexiglass because it's thick, it's opaque, it's hard to break through. You could see what you want on the other side, but you're not really sure how to get there. Mm. That's what shadow work does. And you stop the swings by identifying the zero to 100, those limiting beliefs or those plexiglass problems, slowing down, going into teenager to choose, you know what, I'm going to choose myself or link to cause and effect the next law, going back, honoring your child script, honoring your limitations, giving your sacrifice, no problem. Karma is not created. Mm. Karma is only created, law of cause and effect. When you do not choose consciously, 99% of our choices are from the subconscious, not free will. Right. I talk about this a lot on my social media and on TikTok. And yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Ooh, well, thank you for answering that question. That was a big question because there is, you know, as we get into these um, universal laws, we can understand them and see how they apply in our life, but how to bring the balance in, right? And so I know you're going to talk about that. So let's move on to the fifth law. Yeah. Of the seventh re- law. The, no, we're well, six, the law of purification. We're at six. Oh, oh the six is the truth. The six law is the cause and effect. So, law of karma. So, what I'm saying is, long as you are conscious in your choice, even if you choose a quote unquote bad behavior, limiting belief, or child script, what I call it, you don't create karma. The third level of karma, I told you there were three the ch- sanchitta, the prabha, the agami karma. Agami karma is any karma you create in this lifetime. So people really misunderstand the law of karma. Karma, the actual word karma simply means action. So what happens is when you have a thought, an impure thought, that creates karma. If you do not process your impure thought, emotion, desire with that TED Talk, which is is the method I use with myself and clients, linked to that principle of correspondence, then that brick energy that I said, thought and emotion and desires, just as dense as a brick, you put that out into the universe, either in your body as illness, in your relationships as conflict, or into the world as poverty, homelessness, injustice. Mm -hmm. We are responsible for the world we live in. We have created the world we live in based on previous karma and karma now that we continue to create all because we refuse to look at our thoughts. Truth one, when we get to the 12 truths is the truth of thoughts. Most important stage of a spiritual path, 99% of aspirants don't do it. 
so as an example of this, um, and we welcome all the animals, <laughs> all the animals, puppies saying hello, we get it. Um, an example of this is someone that has this internal dialogue going in their mind all the time that they are not good enough, that they shouldn't do it this way, that this is that, you know, this part of them is not good and they should hide it. Like that is you are creating your own karma in this life just by the thoughts that you're thinking. And I'm I'm using one example because I know that in the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of clients that I work with, one of their biggest challenges is, is really honoring the fact that they are speaking to themselves in a way that is creating their own experience. That's absolutely right. Every internal dialogue. So first we talked about all is mind. Mm -hmm. Every thought you have is what's creating the world you live in, in your direct home and the external world and, mm -hmm. and, and the everywhere. So that's first of all, our agency. So when we talk about co-creation, we're not co-creating with any other God, but that inner dialogue, what I call the competitive voices. You are co-creating with a low-level vibration that you inherited at conception based on your karmic sort of inheritance in this lifetime. If you continue living your parents' life, then, and not dethroning them and keeping those limiting beliefs as the internal dialogue, you're just going to get more of that low-level consciousness. And then you create more and more karma because truth five, I said, is the truth of ego and individuation and you never become an individual. And if you do not become an individual, you cannot come here to do your will. And then you can never become the servant that you came to give back yeah. to humanity. They're all built on one another. That's why they're, it's a path. They're 12 steps in order. Yeah. And I want to get to those. Um, this is so good. And if you're listening and know, you know, we asked you at the beginning of part one to just listen, because all of this information is going to be available for you to come back to, because I know that this is a lot to absorb. And I know for me, when I take in this type of information, I usually like to either take notes or sit with it. So feel free to like take a pause and, you know, take if, if you can, you know, journal a little bit on some of these examples that we're bringing in of ways to navigate these universal laws, because I think it's important because we are hitting really pivotal moments. Like you are giving such jewels that I know that people may need a pause to just like think on that and feel how that is playing out in their life. Because I don't, I don't know about everyone else, but for me, I can, I see this and I do this work. So I am aware of it. And, and sometimes even when we hear it in a different way, it brings up a different, it shines a light in a different area of our shadow. So honor yourself while you're listening. All right, Dr. Yahya, we are, that is the law of karma is in the truth of purification. That is the universal law. Uh, that's number six. That's six, cause and effect or karma. The truth of purification is truth six on the 12 truths. And I'll oh, go through gotcha. that. Law of, law of cause and effect, um, which the is the universal law, law number six. Okay. Correct. The, the seventh law is the law of gender. So in the law of gender, everything has masculine and feminine energy. We're not talking about gender in terms of the human sort of definition. We're talking about energy energies. So we spoke earlier about fire and air being masculine polarities or masculine energies and feminine polarities being that downward triangle of earth and water. So when you are born, and this is what's so great about the chart, you have something called the manas 
prakriti. The manas prakriti is your mental sort of state of how your elements are balanced. So we looked at your chart last time. That's your perfect elemental balance for you. What happens is since many of us overcompensate for a lacking um, element or we overdo a lacking element, we get out of balance. To be balanced, we need to have a balance of our manas prakriti or our masculine and feminine energies the way we embodied them. It isn't the exact definition for every person. And it's not a 50-50. I need to be 50% masculine <laughs> and 50% feminine. No, it's your sort of um, elemental structure. So I have, I'll, I'll do a, a, a worksheet with clients when we're designing our perfect partner. And I'll ask them for 10 qualities the person has to have. And then I'm like, you have 10, air, earth, fire, and water. How do you want to design the person Never has someone given me the breakdown of the elements and the qualities that align. I had a client the other day and she's like, I want, you know, two air, four earth, three fire, one water, whatever. Her, her 10 qualities were like six of them were water. And I'm like, these don't match up. And that's how we are. If we don't know who we are, if we don't know our value system, we don't know what our elemental structure is. Love, luckily for the astrology chart, our manas prakriti is calculating our air, earth, fire, and water from birth. So we have that. Then we could start tweaking where we sort of are out of balance. So we were talking the other day, you have no air, earth, I have one earth. We've overcompensated with the illness. Both of us mm-hmm. did that to get into the body. Hence why I do shaman work because it's an embodiment practice. So I don't have to create an imbalance in the earth element, but I could just live out the balance that I have. So if you've ever seen the caduceus, which is the symbol for for Western medicine, you see two snakes. One is called the Ida and one is called the Pingala. The Pingala is the masculine and the Ida is the feminine. That actually represents our energetic structure of our chakras, where those two serpents interject is each chakra when they come to the sixth chakra their whole what we call urubos the serpent that's eating its tail this is super important i started with as humans we cannot understand the magnitude of this universe of this world of even ourselves the law of gender is the perfect law for us to understand who we are. That's why it's the sixth chakra. The sixth chakra is known as the void or the throne. When we sit on our throne, in our balance of our elements, the way we balance our masculine and feminine, we've got on the right side, a lotus petal with the sun and on the left side, a lotus petal with the moon. We are always asking mom and dad, the masculine and the feminine principle in our chart, in our psyche, Doesn't matter if you knew them. We could all buy into the egg and sperm created us somewhere, even in a Petri dish. If we use that information to guide us, we could be on our throne, in our void, a child of no one, owning our power, owning our life. Law of gender is the law for us to understand how we actually achieve balance, joy, and contentment in this lifetime. 
We cannot understand principle of mentalism. So this is the trick. This is all of the planes of the universe in our body, but it stops at the sixth because it's balance of masculine and feminine. Then beyond that is transcendent function in the seven chakra. And then we go back down to the first chakra and we do it all over again as we go through the gates. But this law is super important. It's your balance of the masculine, the feminine energies, the way that you inherited at the moment of conception. Beautiful. I love the way that you just explained that. That's a powerful law. Mm -hmm. And then last, so this law was kind of revived. It's called the law of octaves. Sometimes it's seen as the law of three or the law of ninefoldness. It's interrelated with the Enneagram, not the Enneagram personality. The Mm. Enneagram as a mystic tool, which is what Gurdjieff revived. The law of octaves is simply the octaves of a musical scale. Do, re, mi, we have a shock. I'll explain that. Fa, sol, la, ti, we have a shock. Do is the next octave. This is the only law that explains why behavior change does not work. It's not about the behavior. It's about the belief. So you can not eat the cake for 30 years. You didn't change your belief about the cake. If you're thinking about eating the cake, when you change your belief around wanting the cake, you've actually transmuted consciousness, Mm. raised the vibration from the moment of conception. And this law is the only law that explains how come behavior change does not work. And it has to be belief change or not transformation, transmutation. This also is why we talked about fire the other day. Fire is the element of transmutation, and it's the only element as humans we're in charge of. So let me explain the law. Do, re, mi has to do with thought. Three, the number three and the triangle always has to do with with thought. At do, re, mi, you have a shock. There's something in you that says, I want to lose weight. I want to go dating. I want to move. I want a new job. There's some thought process that started. Thought is energy. In order for thought or energy to sort of be moved, you need three forces. Brahma, Shiva, Vishnu, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, positive, negative, neutral. Doesn't matter what religion, what philosophy you buy into. There's always three. Mother, father, child is mine. You need three. At that moment, you get a shock in the system. That shock is not enough for change. That thought, if not processed and you don't do anything with it, just becomes energy that clogs up the system in your life. That's why New Year's resolutions, no one ever does anything with them. That shock isn't sufficient. So, do, re, mi. Then you have fa, sol, la, ti. That's the number four. The number four is always a square. A square is always linked to death. It has to do with the body. You need the thought and you need the body. You need the air element and you need the earth element. If you do not have a practice 
set in stone rules, structure, limits, some boundary to make that thought happen and embodiment practice, you cannot raise vibration. It is impossible to be dissociated from the form, be out of the body and expect you to raise vibration. That is dissociation and one of the number one problems in our field in new age spirituality is that Mm. right there. And this law explains it. So after Fasola T, you have another shock. That shock is the next doe, the next octave. So you need a thought and you need to put the thought in practice. That's my entire model and the seven gates is set up. Three steps are child, triangle. We have to look at our thoughts. The next four are meeting our needs, defining, putting a rule book. Then you have a ceremony and a ritual to shift the vibration, raise consciousness. If you try to use your body without your thought or the thought without the body, you cannot raise the vibration. So this is a perfect segue for the 12 truths. Of the 12 truths, two truths that you have to do every single day because you will fail. And I use that word intentionally. These 12 truths are rooted on Hercules labors, the 12 uh, labors of Hercules. There are two labors that he failed at. We will fail every single day at truth one and truth six. Truth one is truth of thought, that do, re, mi. And truth six is a truth of purification that has to do with our body, which has to do with fasolati. If we don't look at our thoughts every day and we don't embody and process those thoughts, we cannot raise our vibration to get to the end of the road, which is truth of unity, which is the law of gender or law of mentalism, which is to bring it all together and be whole. So every single law is encompassed in these 12 truths. But if we don't look at truth and we don't look at purification in our body every day, we could never really achieve any of these laws. The swings don't stop. The balance doesn't happen. We won't understand that everything is mental. They're all intertwined. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, like, to have us take a pause for a moment and just say that we're not going to be able to cover all the 12 truths here. So I'm going to invite anyone that wants to explore more of this to find Dr. Yahia, all her info in the show notes and go into these truths, which is in your new book that's coming out. And, yes. and I want to, I want to just, I want to highlight what you just said. I want to finish on that note because I feel like that was just the whole conclusion is that it doesn't understand. It doesn't matter how much we understand the universal laws. It doesn't matter how much we um, see them and evaluate them or look at them, how they're playing out in our lives. If we do not do these two important steps, which you're naming as truth number one and truth number six, which is the truth of thought, because we have to address it at the core level of the belief, no matter what, the shadow level, and the truth of purification, which is transmuting it and coming, bringing it back into our body. Correct. And, and that's, you know, that's, there are, there are so many things in there. There's so many things in there. I want to be conscious of time and whoo, Dr. Yahia, this is the work you're doing is so transformative, mm-hmm. so in depth. And 
everything that you've laid out in, uh, for us, this is now the third, this is the, the, the conclusion of the third episode. There is so much. And I want people to know that when you do this work with an individual, you are able to go into each of these areas one-on-one to really dive into it. And what is a parting thought that you would give someone if all of this is fascinating them or they feel the threads in their life and they know that this is, this is, there, there is work to be done and they want to unravel some of those threads. What is the advice you would give them on the first step, whether they're working with you or with me and any of the mystery schools, what is the first step you would give someone? We have to become obsessed with the quality of our thoughts. So a lot of your listeners and you and I, we do intuitive work. Your intuition is only as good as the quality of your thoughts. Mm -hmm. So if you think you're channeling high level beings and you have not evaluated the quality of your low level impure thoughts, you do not know what you're channeling. So it is just for your spiritual practice as much as your everyday world. The impure thoughts, the quality of your thoughts are creating the nonsense in your life. It is the number one thing. And I can tell you that the TED Talk is it mother, father. What don't I like about it and where do I have that? And what does it prove about me? Will diffuse 90% of conflict. It'll link back to the impurity of your thought in that second question what we talked about earlier, sort of judgment, our value system, our bad buckets, and our shadow and our deadly sin. And that will start to unmask what is going on in that internal dialogue, which is directly related to your guidance. That's the first step I start with everybody. I actually tell people to saturate this step when it becomes a hell loop that they're like, oh my God, I cannot believe I create all this nonsense all the time. Get me out of there. Then I move them into the spiritual STD. But that personal TED Talk is gold. I feel like we just conducted like a healing container <laughs> for so many people through these episodes. Like really, I, I, I feel like I, I feel like that there are so many people listening that are going to be like, oh my gosh, you literally just unraveled my entire life <laughs> in three podcasts. <laughs> it's fascinating. It's fascinating. It is. And it's it like, is. That's why I really... The call to action, and and just sort of a recap, I grew up in a cult. I had many Busiris in my life before I found my way and became the teacher that I was looking for and that I needed. My entire mission globally for my clients in the world is to reduce any reliance on teachers and gurus and, and, and just use us as what I call pebbles on the path. This is your life Let's individuate and and move forward as a collective to live individually so we can come back and then do the service in truth 11. But if we don't learn to individuate and you cannot individuate if you do not know the quality of your thoughts. And so that is the most important thing. The other thing, it's a call to action is let's move away from this sticky note spirituality Crystals and pendulums and all that stuff is fun and great to be introduced to this world. I have a great book, Witch Bitch, Ceremonies and Rituals for Gods and Goddesses. I love ceremony and ritual. It's step Mm -hmm. seven of the model. But we can't stop there. If we do not do shadow work, we cannot move into truth nine, which is wisdom and mentorship. 
Like we cannot carry our torch into the world and give our teachings that we come at the individual level if we do not do truth A, which is truth aid is the truth of shadow and death. Parts of us must die. We must mourn our unlived life so that we can move into the world and raise the vibration of this world, which is the call to action of the age of Aquarius. But it is not going to happen with the fluff. No, I agree. I agree. And and for someone like myself, who is very active on TikTok, I mean, it is rampant with very simplistic ways. Oh, do this ritual to manifest this or do this. And I, I have said in a lot of videos that this, what I say is not going to make me the most popular witch because mm-hmm. I take that away. I right, I come back to we are You're the my magic. most popular though. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it, it lives within us. It's not the tool. And, um, I am so grateful for the work that you do, Dr. Yahya. You are changing the world. You're leading the way. You're paving the path for many, many, many people. And I'm so grateful for you spending the time with us on this show to share your wisdom. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And I know I indeed have met a soul sister. Yes, I feel the same. Grateful. I'm so grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And for everyone that's listening, go check her out. Go find her. Use all the links in the show notes to find a way to explore more about your own path and where you're at and how you can find support to unravel this unraveling that has been done. And if you enjoyed this show, we would appreciate it if you would share it with somebody that you like. Give us a rating or a review and it helps us reach more people. So thank you for listening and we will be back. Thank you for joining us today. On any of your favorite listening apps, we would really appreciate a rating and review. And if you're looking for more information, make sure that you go to moontempleschool.com and you can find us there. 